Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Today's episode is sponsored by Michelle and Craig and Honoria in loving memory of their son, Kyle. Kyle and Honoria was a wonderful boy who brought us much joy, love, and laughter for 11 years. We lost Kyle suddenly, one month shy of his 12th birthday. Our 4,343 days with Kyle were not enough. He was so funny, so full of emotion, and so full of love. Kyle loved to help people. If he saw a homeless person on the street, he would ask us to give them money or food. If another kid at school was being picked on, Kyle would defend them and get himself in trouble trying to stick up for others. He had more compassion than most people or adults that we know, and Kyle always forgave others. Kyle loved his dog Darby, who he would go to when he got home from school every afternoon and sleep next to every night. Kyle loved playing video games with his friends online, collecting Godzilla figures, he had almost 100, and making his own Pokemon cards. Kyle was creative, loving, and compassionate. We miss Kyle every second of every day. Thank you, Michelle and Craig, for sponsoring today's podcast episode, and our hearts are with you as we all think of and remember Kyle. I have a guest with me. This is Mitch Kermody, and Mitch has been on this journey for, okay, Mitch, how many years ago did you lose Kelly from this? Uh, 34 years, 1987. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think 10 years is just <laughs> beyond my comprehension with Becca. Now, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just crazy. In 10 years, I remember what a milestone that was. I, said, wow. I was a mess. I was just I mean, a I thought it was a... You back back early on mm-hmm. it was a milestone to get to, and as you know now, you're there. Mm-hmm. And and but when I was there too, there wasn't much, as much help as there is now. So right. the difference in the journey where you are ten years and where I was in ten years, I I still wasn't even acknowledged by people. I mean, mm-hmm. I suffered for a long time just in my silence. Um, and it wasn't until even after ten years that I started speaking out as a speaker or writing mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! Now, you have been very involved with Compassionate Friends, which is where we first met at a national conference. And then you're also involved with Bereaved Parents USA, which is where we really started connecting a bit more. And then Dave and I had the blessing of being part of the Grief Cruise as a workshop presenter. And you helped Lynn Finley put all of that together. And it was wonderful. And we're looking forward to the next one in January of 2023, people. (laughs) So I'll share more about that later after Mitch and I are done here. And I do believe that our connection has been a God thing. And we really saw that on the cruise because I was going to be doing some music and you were in charge of the music. And you and I, of all the millions and billions of songs in the world, you and I had the same thought for the opening song, which was, just blew our minds when we realized that. And that was Danny Gokey's I Will Not Say Goodbye. So that was just like, wow. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. <laughs> I know, and it's funny how you, how you say that. And it used to, I used to say that too, it blows my mind. But now I just say, well, of course. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, that's it, true. It, it, I know. It comes a course after a while. You almost expect it. And people, have, now people I didn't say, because I say that so much now, 
because when these weird things happen, that's all, of course it did. And <laughs> when you're more aware of God's you yes. know, presence that allows this to happen, it, it happens more and more. Oh, that's so true. I'm glad you said that. So Mitch, I'm going to start out. I know you, your story with Kelly is similar with ours with Becca, just in the fact that there were so many pieces to it. So I'm going to ask for our listeners to get to know Kelly a little bit. If you would just kind of share a, a brief synopsis of his story and what happened. Yes, Kelly was born in 1978, you know, and then uh, in 1985, he was sick, you know, all the time. And we took him in and found out he had a brain tumor. Um, and we took, you know, never left the hospital for emergency room. They had to do emergency surgery right away. And they said, he's got, you know, a brain tumor at the base of his spine, you know, the medulla here, uh, medulla. And he, he there's no, no cure. We'll do as much palliatives whenever we can to say this, you know, give you some And time. he was how old? How old at this point? He was about eight years old. Okay. He was seven and a half, eight, you know, eight. Mm. and so... We, that's what we did. We did, went through all the protocols. The doctor says, do this. We did it. We did the chemo. We did everything. Um, it did not cure him. We went to Mexico. So we went to Mexico and um, did so, so many things. And, and, and his tumor disappeared. It came back. We went to a little church. I and mean, I just want to plug in what you did in Mexico was a spiritual journey with him. Correct. Yes, I mean, yes. it was seeking for God's you know, healing I mean, and seeking spiritual, you know, just and so I, I just want people to know that because sometimes yeah. the frustration of, you know, God healed them or I thought God was going to heal them or I mean, you pursued. Right. Thank a you. Healing it, wasn't, it wasn't going for lay a trail or anything to mm-hmm. Mexico to find some unbelievable cure. We went there because God led us there. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we got some herbs and some diets and doctors and stuff mm-hmm. to help us that we had the most quality time that God could provide us in his last days. And, you know, and we had hope again where mm-hmm. we were. Hopeless. So when you have hope again, oh my God, does that open doors? You know, mm-hmm. so there is no such thing as hopelessness. You know, you can feel the hopelessness. Right. But because you cannot help but feel hopeless. Well, that's what I, yeah. And I, when I talk about hope, it's like, if you have the Lord inside of you, you have the seed of hope in you. Right. You it's learning it's, how to nourish it and to let it grow. Right. You know, it's in there. Like in Pandora's box, when that box was open, everything was at least mm-hmm. in the world was horrible. The only thing left in the box is a piece of paper that says hope. And mm-hmm. that's what God is in our life. That's in our, no matter what uh, the, the world sails with us, like in Pandora's box, mm-hmm. we always have that hope. All we got to do is reach in and grab. We have to go inside mm-hmm. our self yes. and grab that hope. And no, and we can just hold on to it. We don't have to tell anybody or do anything with it for a while. We just know that we have it. And that's when we heal. Not to try to heal too fast, not to expect some miracle to come and, you know, heal mm-hmm. me. Uh, because we wouldn't want that. If we got healed right away, we wouldn't go through the grieving process. And that is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find our own spirit that we did go, that we go through the process. Yeah. Okay, I just sent you on a little detour. So now you can finish your story about Kelly. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, that was I, good. I, that was no, really good. I didn't go on detour, but so he ended up, you know, we had a one, wonderful uh, life in Mexico for a short period. The cancer came back, uh, you know, but we sold everything we had. We moved back to Minnesota, rented a place as a hospice where he died. 
And that's when, and, but it was such a beautiful, it was a beautiful death that we were all there. It had been 18 months of fighting and, and now he was going to see God. And I, when he died, I, his eyes, his eyes, oh, right before he died, his eyes relaxed. They were paralyzed. His mouth was paralyzed. He smiled and looked straight. I know into God's mm. eyes, he turned blue and he smiled. We hadn't seen a smile in months and mm. months. And it allowed him to smile and he looked like he was reaching. He couldn't move, but he was like so happy. Like he was going, seeing through me. And mm. that I knew that again, I, I had hoped then that he was, he was going directly. He saw Jesus. I, I know he was going there. And, and I said, I, you know, cause he met them during surgery. So he, mm. he did so many things that, that, that provided us with hope that we knew it was there, mm-hmm. but we had to allow ourselves to be hopeless for a while because we just need to feel that mm-hmm. at all and, and swim in the grief. And, and then when, when we're ready, we grab that life preserver that God's got there. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's such a good point. We have thought, to be ready. When you're fighting, you know, the medical, when you work with the medical world, you, um, that's a difference in like a sudden death or someone has a sudden death. I mean, there's no difference in the follow-up except that we learn tools in, in, in fighting for someone's life that we apply later to our grief that we, you know, we didn't have the tools before, but we mm-hmm. learned it. And I think that that helps us. That's why we do it when we do, Laura, to help others know that, you know, we've had some tools early on that helped us. Yes. Yes, and we want to give those tools to those who are ready and want to take them. Right, and so that's Kelly's legacy. After he died, I said, "Okay, I, I'm going to establish a relationship with him that that you know that that is not gone. I couldn't mm-hmm. live with with my mother told me to be. This is the way you grieve, and I put it behind you and put you know cloth over the pictures and take the pictures down. And I said, Ah, pretend like he never celebrated his life and talk to him every day. And if mm-hmm. I can talk to him every day, he's not truly gone. So I always kept that thread that we he has not gone. He, yeah. in that I have to try to learn how to communicate with, you know, because mm-hmm. he's in a whole different place. Right. Uh, giving us beacons of life, but we got to look for those. And so yeah. that's what happened. And it changed my whole life, his death. And it, but it took, you know, until I published my book in 2002. He died in 87. But I was working on my book for all those years and just saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But I said, when I'm done, I, and I promised my son that I would write a book about a story and mm. that it would be a kind of roadmap for a brief parent. Kind of, well, this is what you can expect. This is what intention does. This is what prayer does. Um, this is what active participation in your grief journey. Yes. And so that putting the book out that I start speaking more and wow, you know, it, I've just it's just done so many things in my life. And that's where I'm at now. And so I have lots of ideas and things and working with the bereaved, seeing the faces of the thousands of bereaved that I've worked with and what commonalities they have or what things work for them and put that all together and just try to, you know, like another better helping another better exactly you know i'm just exactly and i've I've learned some tips yeah i that's kind of how i see it it's just like one i'm just let's just do this together and figure it out together so that's kind of a a lead into what i wanted to talk to you about today we're going to use our time to talk about what you call the five seasons of the heart in grieving for us, our listeners, the death of our child. And this is something you shared on the cruise and it was so good. I wanted to get you on here to share with our GPS Hope listeners. And it's taken us a while, (laughs) but here (laughs) we are. (laughs) Now, 
as we go through these, it's almost like every single one of these could almost have their own 30 to 60 minute discussion. (laughs) So we're going to do our best to keep it short. And if we go longer, we'll just split it into two podcasts. I don't have a problem with that. But let's go ahead and get into this. And the first season you call is the raw griever. The loss is recent. The heart is newly broken. Talk about that season, Mitch. Yes. And, um, and I, and I, it, 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 I, I like to use uh, mnemonics and, and things that people remember. So using seasons does, but it's also, it's, kind of, it's a double entendre actually, because um, you know, when I talk about raw grieving and if you know, if anybody knows anything about wood, but it's pretty basic, you know, you have raw wood and you have seasoned wood mm-hmm. and raw wood has filled with moisture and sap. You can't build with it. It warps. It won't burn. Um, it's 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 raw and it's unformed. It's not usable. And when we're in grief and we're raw, we feel that raw grief. We feel unusable. We, we're we're bent and tortured. We don't know which way. We're warped. We're out of demand. We're we're a mess. Mm-hmm. And and so I look at that as being raw. It's the raw state, you know. And and but then a seasoned um, uh, piece of wood has found equilibrium in moisture content with the outside atmosphere. So once this percent of moisture is the same as the wood, it's the same as the outside, it won't work anymore. It won't try to gain moisture. It won't try to get rid of moisture. It is firm. It can be built. Uh, it can be burnt. Um, it's strong it, it, and it's endurable. It, it's resilient. And so when we become a seasoned griever, we're no longer the raw wood of uh, a sapling that, that, you know, but yeah, fortunately, we are sapling because sapling mm-hmm. bend, you know. Yeah. And so we thank God we are. Mm-hmm. We would have broken broken a long time exactly, ago. Exactly. Yeah. Know? But but we are a sapling, and so we can bend and we bend back. But as we grow, we become seasoned. We become usable. We become strong. We come, you know, we can light the fire for other people, and and that's where the extreme is. So that's where everybody unilaterally is a raw griever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how, how many grief experience that you've had before the big one that we're talking about or why mm-hmm. you're watching the show uh, you look back you know from where what was your first brief response what was it who was it do you remember what it was and look at what your brief response is now and are you doing the same thing that you know you were told when mm-hmm. my grandfather did or, you know you got to touch his hand i, I want to touch him i touch his hand <laughs> it was ice cold and and it was horrendous memory i didn't mm-hmm. like seeing grandpa like that he didn't smell like his pipe anymore mm-hmm. it, it, you know it was just so but there's those you know those first things that you do in grief that will stick with you you know and so mm-hmm. maybe you're death or scared of it or or if you have a lot of it around you during a war and, and, and where countries have it all the time, they're keenly aware of the previous. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in good times, people are not. We don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oh, well, this is raw, but everybody goes into the raw state and then it's just figuring out. And when you're raw, when you have a raw cut, a raw burn, your body naturally will try to protect it, to cover it to neutralize the pain. So mm-hmm. we do stuff to neutralize the pain, whatever that is, prescription or non-prescription or through busyness. Uh, we do anything to mask the pain. And so, but the pain is still there. And so that's that whole raw, vicious cycle that you want to heal, but you keep scraping the mm-hmm. wound. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. heal because you just keep itching it. You know? mm-hmm. And then, then, then you start to move on to the other you know, stages 
Uh, well, they're not stages, they're, they're possibilities. There because you go. Not everybody will go through these five seasons. That's why I call mm-hmm. them seasons, you know, because they're different seasons, different part of the country, different part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next one is a frozen griever, which not everybody will be. They've had some previous. Frozen griever is complicated grief um, where your heart is patched and um, uh, you may be a possible PTSD. A lot of grievers have PTSD. Yes. So, and years later, they wonder why they have cancer and skin conditions or they're fat, they're thin, they're gray, you know, and a lot of that is, is undiagnosed PTSD. And it's just, it's still a disruptive force within our body that has not been acknowledged. And you don't have to like have been there when your child died. I mean, oh, it's not like you had to see it. It's not like you, I mean, it. Oh, that, that certainly amplifies PTSD. Yes. It will certainly if you could not get the door open in the bathroom because your child had mm-hmm. died outside of it. You're going to have PTSD. I mean, I mean, right, I know right. how hard you are and good are you are psychologically. <laughs> exactly. You probably have PTSD. But the loss of a child in general, if you don't have help right away, you don't have mm-hmm. someone to talk to, you don't have a strong faith, you're out of balance in the four areas of what I call body, mind, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Out of balance, out of equilibrium, again, um, then you're going to have more issues. You know, so mm-hmm. that's when you can freeze up. You freeze up. Yeah. You know, some people have lost a child. I mean, when they're living, that was dr- was drowning, and they froze up, and the child drowned because they mm. could not jump in to save them. Because yeah. some, we play sometimes. We can't. We're out of. If people can realize mm-hmm. we're out of control sometimes, that our body's in control. So our body can freeze us, or we can freeze us mentally, mm-hmm. or we can cut ourselves off from God and freeze ourselves spiritually. Yes. And blame him and not speak mm-hmm. to him, yell at him. Well, yelling's okay because he, he listens to that. No, right? That's right. <laughs> but not to blame him and put him out the way, you know. So that's mm-hmm. you know, I want to be frozen right here in my grief. I don't want to go any further because if I go further, I'll lose the recollection of my loved one. And right. Feel that no, if I stay, keep every condition the same, keep the room the same, uh, everything the same, there's nothing wrong with keeping the room the same, you know. But mm-hmm. if you, just one indicator. A lot of people will say, well, I don't want any type of change. Mm-hmm. And, but change will come at its own time. And so right. when we thaw out. But when, and when it, frozen can be biologic. It's the hormones. And mm-hmm. we keep stressing ourselves and restressing ourselves and put ourselves in the flight or flight response. Yes. Do not use any mindfulness tools or prayer or relaxation or massage or whatever to kind of reduce that, that stress state and get in the more of the relaxed state hormonally we're still start to aggravate we go right back to that frozen state so mm-hmm. but when you do thaw it's like mm-hmm. when you burn yourself and you put an ice cube on it oh god that feels good you know? <laughs> but when you take that ice cube yeah. off, oh, it's like try not to eat that last potato chip no you <laughs> put it right back on it oh okay but then the ice cube melts mm-hmm. hormones no no cards no calls you know pretty soon you know, if, if everything melts, then you start to melt, and then the pain becomes real. Yeah, and that's when you, you start to start to really feel the grief, body, mind, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. The, the protective layer of chemicals, hormones that keep us in literal shock right. are now dissipating, and the pain becomes oh, that's in three months later, maybe, or what? You, there's no time, but you know, a lot of people's like three months later. Then that's when people are oh, oh, how you doing? And people are. Mm-hmm. You know, really asking, and you're, you're just kind of just beginning to thaw out when everybody else is thinking you're just getting back on track. Exactly. Frozen for so long, and they uh-huh. oh, they're doing great. No, we're frozen. 
<laughs> exactly. Out, they go, oh my God, what's wrong with them? They're going backwards. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we're just beginning to thaw. So, but that frozen period it can be months, it can be years, it can be decades. Mm-hmm. To be and, and what you do and the warmth of other people that help you melt, the light of God that helps you melt. I mean, all these things can help you become thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and it's not always well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for a lot of us, it seems like, I don't know if it's that thawing part or what, but the second year consent can be harder than the first year for a lot of us. And, and that first year, if we hear that just kind of as a, I'm just letting you know, hopefully it won't be this way for you. But if it is, don't be surprised. It's like, how could it be worse? And I think that's like you said, because the thawing out has happened, the reality has hit us and we've got to figure out how to grieve. And yes. pain and yes. mm-hmm. exactly. And if each educator, as grief educators, that's our onus to not sugarcoat the journey. So right. people have false expectations that it's going to be this way or it's going to be that way. No, there is going to be hopelessness, but there is going to be light. Both just yeah. experience hopelessness and know that there will be light, and and to know the journey, you know, by accolades of other people like your journey, my journey, other people that have had their journeys that say, "Wow, I want what they're having," you know. Mm-hmm. So. We, we light a fire, we shine, let them be intrigued by our recovery. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they'll ask instead of forcing it on. So many people say, oh, this is what you should be doing by now, or this is where you should be at by now. And and, and it, it, when people start that way, that's when I stop listening. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got I to gotta look and see what, what worked for other people, you know, mm-hmm. and talk to those people yeah i like what gloria horsley says if she don't she says if you don't have hope lean on ours <laughs> oh yeah yeah and uh-huh. gloria horsley also said too if you have three good friends you don't need me you don't need a psychologist if you have three <laughs> that will listen to you mm-hmm. you don't need me and i was like that too that you yeah. need friends to be able to communicate your despair all those years mm-hmm. uh, so that that kind of dovetails into the next the, the next season the yes. reluctant I am going to step in here. I'm sorry, but we're going to pick this up again next week. And I know you are going to want to hear the rest of what Mitch shared. October of 2023 may seem a bit far away, but it gives a lot of time to plan and pay for joining Mitch, Dave, and myself on the next grief cruise. People are already putting down their deposits to book their cabin. It's a great combination of workshops, meaningful discussions, talking about our kids with others who get it, and having fun together while not having to do anything like cooking or cleaning for a week. It is a seven-night cruise with the seminar being held during the three days at sea, so you won't miss any of the ports or the evening entertainment. This cruise is for any loss. It's called the Grief Cruise, but we will have workshops specifically from GPS Hope for those who have lost a child. And I will also be doing one or two workshops that is for everyone. I would love to be able to spend time with you in this way. To find out more, go to gpshope.org slash cruise. There's also a button to click on that page to get more information on how to register for the seminar and to book your cabin. You'll talk to Lynn Finley, who we've had on here before. 
I want to say thank you again to Michelle and Craig and Honoria for sponsoring today's episode in honor of their son, Kyle. If you would like to sponsor an episode for your child, you can find out how and choose the date that you want to sponsor based on maybe something that happened in your child's life. Just go to our website, gpshope.org, and click on the Sponsor a Podcast episode, which is under the Donate tab. I will also put a link to that in the show notes as well. Let's go on to our birthday segment for this week. Elena Lisboa was born on May 29th and is forever seven weeks old. Kyle Enonoria was born on May 30th and is forever 11. Sean Klein was born on June 1st and is forever 33. Kyron was born on June 2nd and is forever 18. Riley Whitehead was born on June 3rd and is forever 19. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and into their lives. We know this will always be a special day for these families as our children's birthday remains a special day for each one of us. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced on the podcast the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the form with the needed information and submit it. We'll also be put on our list to get a weekly word of hope. We don't spam you. We don't share the email addresses. And if you don't want to continue getting the weekly word of hope, all you have to do is unsubscribe at the bottom of any of the emails that come out. And when you fill out that form, be sure to fill out the pronunciation piece if your child has a name that is sometimes mispronounced because I want to make sure that I say it correctly. At the beginning of my discussion with Mitch, we talked about having hope and how important that is and how we have hope. It's in us. We just have to nourish it and grow it in us and dig deep within ourselves to find that seed of hope that the Lord is inside us. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor by forcing himself to have hope in a hopeless situation in the concentration camp. He would do things like give up his own piece of bread while in literal starvation to someone else who had lost all hope and just wanted to die. I've read Victor's book, Man's Search for Meaning, and I want to close today with a quote by him that Mitch used in his presentation that I sat in in the last cruise. Victor said, When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. We know that we will never be the same person we were before our child died, but we can still learn how to live a fulfilled and meaningful life around our grief, which we will talk about more next week. So please hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.